This episode is brought to you by HP. Whenever you do your best thinking, the HP Spectre X360 is ready when inspiration strikes. With power save for battery life and focus mode to multitask, you can do your best thinking whenever and wherever it happens. The HP Spectre X360 2-in-1 convertible PC with Windows 10 saves battery life for whenever an idea hits you. HP Spectre X360, a more thoughtful laptop. What's up, everybody, and welcome to MLB Morning Coffee, a production of Athletes Unfiltered, recorded at the Ocean Avenue Studios in San Francisco, California. My name is Greg Moraz. I am the host of this program, and today we are doing what I like to call a feel-good fast Friday, which is somewhat ironic because the stories I'm going to talk about don't necessarily make you feel good, but I want to try and feel good about the situation that we're in when it comes to a couple of topics. Number one on our agenda today is the problem that Major League Baseball is having with their vaccinations. Number two, I want to talk about the Oakland Athletics and why they are seemingly willing to vacate their home of over 50 years. They've been in the Oakland Coliseum since 1968. And number three, I want to talk about the feel-good stories of the San Francisco Giants and the Chicago White Sox because I feel like both of those two teams are doing something right now that is highly unexpected, especially the White Sox, considering where everybody thought their offense was going to be and where it actually is. Because the White Sox are doing something right now that is a complete statistical anomaly, and I absolutely love it. So let's get into our first story here on a Feel Good Fast Friday, MLB's vaccination problem. Last night I was at the gym, and we're recording this on a Friday, so this was Thursday night. I was at the gym and I was watching the San Francisco Giants on the treadmill. Yes, I know, I'm one of those guys that exercises so that he can watch TV and more specifically, watch baseball. I planned my workout so that I could watch the East Coast games from here on the West Coast. And I was very struck by the fact that none of the Giants had any masks on. Meanwhile, the Pirates, their opponent, all had masks on in the dugout. And I was wondering why. And then I looked it up. And I saw that thanks to some Bay Area news sources, the Giants had reached the 85% vaccination threshold, which means they don't have to wear masks in the dugout and they don't really have that many restrictions in regards to where they can travel when they're not at the ballpark, what time they have to be in and out of the hotel, etc. They're freer people. So the Giants have reached that threshold. The only other team, at least in games that I've watched, that I've seen without masks on in the dugout is the Detroit Tigers. I know the Chicago White Sox are also approaching 85% vaccination. Full disclosure, I follow the Giants, the White Sox, the A's, closest amongst the teams that we talk about here on this show. But I was struck by something I saw this morning from Ryan Divish of the Seattle Times. And he tweeted in saying that, while the Mariners minor leaguers, the entire minor league system, is almost fully vaccinated, The big league club is approaching only 50% vaccinations. Meanwhile, the New York Yankees had eight people test positive for COVID, eight staff members who had already been vaccinated. And the San Diego Padres had to put a host of players on the COVID-19 list, Will Myers, Fernando Tatis Jr., and others who were deemed to be close contacts. So here are a couple of questions that I have in regards to all three of those points. Number one, 
why is there such a hesitancy for Major League Baseball players to get vaccinated? To me, and you think about the size of a minor league system, even after MLB's contraction, the entire Mariner minor league system, and I know I've gotten in trouble with certain people before for talking about the Seattle Mariners, but the Seattle Mariner minor league system is almost fully vaccinated. Yet the big league club, which includes staff members, let's just say it's around the range of 35 people, is only at 50%. That, to me, is unacceptable because we've seen the science, we've seen the data, and we've seen what vaccinations are doing for the good of this country. I understand that certain people have reasons for not getting vaccinated, but to me, those reasons are not legitimate. No, I'm not going to go out and stand on a political plank here and try and preach my political philosophy to each and all of you, because I know that you don't like that. Trust me, I've read the reviews. But I think that we have a responsibility to our fellow man, and in the baseball world, to our teammates, to get vaccinated. I've been vaccinated, and let me tell you, the second shot... I had a lot of body aches the next day. I felt like I could barely move. I was able to move. I was able to actually work a full day on that Sunday. But you know what? I did it because I'm going to get on a plane later today, probably by the time that you're listening to this, and fly to Idaho. This is the first time I've been on an airplane since January of 2020. It's May of 2021. It's the longest period of time in my adult life that I have not been on an airplane. Why do I feel comfortable traveling now? Because I've been vaccinated. And look, there have been a lot of people, a lot of teams, the Brewers, the White Sox, the Giants, that have been at the forefront of actually doing PSAs, asking people to get vaccinated. So why are the Seattle Mariners at 50%? Why are there teams at this point, when vaccines in many of the states where the teams are at are readily available, Why are players not getting vaccinated? I don't understand it. And we're going to continue to have COVID-19 issues in all of professional sports if players don't get vaccinated. We saw early on that NBA teams were willing to have their whole teams get vaccinated at one time. Players were bragging about getting vaccinated. This has not been an issue in the NBA. We've had some players that haven't had a chance to get vaccinated yet, but from what I am reading and what I am seeing, most of the National Basketball Association is willing to take the COVID-19 vaccine. We can go through a whole list of reasons as to why certain teams haven't reached that threshold. I know the Cubs certainly have an anti-vaxxer on their team in Eric Sogard. We know that based upon his wife's social media behavior. But the fact remains that the vaccines work. Now, you may be thinking, well, what about the point you brought up earlier about the Yankee staff members? Let me take you a little bit behind my own personal curtain. When signing up for the vaccine, I wanted to get the Pfizer first, the Moderna second, and if I had to, if it was my only option, I would go with the Johnson & Johnson. And here's the reason why. I am immunocompromised. I have alopecia, which is an autoimmune disorder. My immune system works a lot differently than other people's and works very similar to the way the immune systems of those who have rheumatoid arthritis and lupus do. It's the same genome in regards to the autoimmune chain. I don't know if I said that medically correctly, but I don't care. I'm not a doctor. I wanted the vaccine that had the highest efficacy rate, and that was the Pfizer or the Moderna. 
And if it meant two shots spaced out over the course of three weeks, then so be it. I was going to get two shots because I was confident based on what I read and what I had seen that I was going to be the safest with the Pfizer or the Moderna. And I ended up getting the two Pfizer shots. The Johnson & Johnson was appealing to people because it was one and done. However, the efficacy rate for the Johnson & Johnson vaccine was 70%. If I remember my math correctly, the efficacy rate for the Pfizer and the Moderna was above 95%, maybe closer to 98%. So the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, the benefits are that you only have to take one shot, and look, your arm hurting for a couple of days two times over really is not that big of a deal, but a lot of people think that one and done is a bigger convenience. However, since the efficacy rate is lower, there is still a risk that you end up catching COVID-19, which is what happened with these eight Yankee staff members. They all took the Johnson & Johnson, and they all got it. Now, I don't know the period after you take that shot to where you are considered fully vaccinated for the Johnson & Johnson. But clearly, it was not in that range for these Yankee staff members. And I should also remind you that Glaber Torres, it was announced yesterday, had tested positive for COVID-19. These positive cases do not do us much good in encouraging the rest of Major League Baseball to get their vaccinations. It is worth noting, though, that none of the positive Yankees staff members or Glaber Torres are experiencing any symptoms. And that, to me, is a big positive. No pun intended there. What we need to avoid is cases like the San Diego Padres who do not have all of their vaccines yet, that aren't at that 85% threshold, when you have to put close contact. See, that's the thing that bothers me, is that you have to put certain players on the COVID-19 IL because they're deemed as close contacts. That wouldn't necessarily be the case if they had been vaccinated. So we know the players that are on that list have not yet been vaccinated. I don't know whether or not Will Myers or Fernando Tatis Jr. have been vaccinated, but it's pretty clear that Major League Baseball is not in the position that it needs to be when it comes to vaccinating their players. There needs to be an incentive, or quite frankly, there just needs to be a kick in the ass. Because the science is out there, the doctors have come out and said they're all safe. So what's the hesitation? I don't understand what the hesitation is here. These players need to get vaccinated or we're going to continue to have COVID issues throughout Major League Baseball. It's that simple. I can't put it any other way. Do your duty, get vaccinated. And Major League Baseball needs to be somewhat authoritarian when it comes to this because we cannot continue into 2022 Hopefully there is baseball in 2022 because we know that we're going to talk about the labor issues soon enough after the 2021 season. But God willing that there's baseball in 2022, we cannot have a COVID-filled 2022 season. We just can't do it. So these players, do your due diligence, get vaccinated. It's not that hard. As many of you know, I am a Bay Area native. I live in the city of San Francisco, but my affinity when I was young was for the Oakland Athletics. They were my favorite team growing up. I've been going to games at the Oakland Coliseum since I was five years old. It was my second ever baseball game from what I can remember, a rainy game between the A's and the Angels in 1998. 
Actually, I think I was six years old at the time. No, I was probably still five. But anyways, the Coliseum has been my baseball home as a fan for as long as I can remember. And for as long as I can remember through my high school years and college years, actually even in my pre-high school years, it has been essential for the A's to find a new home because the Oakland Coliseum is not a viable baseball stadium by modern standards. I love the Coliseum, but the Oakland Coliseum is outdated and it's just a really dungy baseball environment. The A's have done a good job to try and make it palatable, but I'll tell you, I used to love going to Raider games at the Coliseum a lot more than I liked going to A's games. Because Raider games, you could accept what the Coliseum was for a football atmosphere. Not necessarily for a baseball atmosphere. It was too big for baseball. And the A's never filled the park. Over the course of my lifetime, we've seen the A's threaten to move to Fremont. That never happened. They wanted to move to San Jose, but the San Francisco Giants exercised their muscles and flexed on their territorial rights, and so that never happened. And the A's had connections to San Jose because the same ownership group, the Lou Wolf and John Fisher group, although Wolf is no longer involved, they own the San Jose Earthquakes, and that's how they got Dave Cavill to go from being the president of the Earthquakes to being the president of the Oakland Athletics. Since Cavill arrived, though, in the A's organization, he has put out the mantra of rooted in Oakland, in that it is his intent to get the A's a new ballpark in the city of Oakland. That has been their slogan. You know how every Major League Baseball team has a marketing slogan? Well, the A's for the past few years, up until this year, was rooted in Oakland. They had shirts of it, they had logos for it, and their intent was to build a ballpark in Oakland. They had a bunch of different sites that they had picked out. It was down to three, either Howard Terminal, Laney College, or rebuilding at the Oakland Coliseum site. The latter is the one that they did not want to have to exercise because, let's just face it, there's not really a whole lot to develop around the Coliseum area. And in the modern times, if you're going to build a new ballpark, you're going to do it with the intent of maximizing the area around the facility. That means building shopping centers, apartment complexes, condos, parks, other sources of income that will build a community around the area. That's what you've seen with the Ballpark Village in Atlanta with Truist Park. That's what you're beginning to see in other parts of the country where there are modern ballparks. That's just not possible in the area around the Oakland Coliseum. It's too industrial. So that's why the A's don't want to build there. Laney College, they rejected the notion. So Howard Terminal remained the only viable option in the A's mind. Now, Howard Terminal, I don't know how many of you know the geography of Oakland. It's really hard to get to. It's really not drivable. And the A's grand plan for Howard Terminal was actually to have a gondola take people from Fruitvale BART Station over Interstate 880 toward Howard Terminal which is a massive infrastructure project. And by the way, I don't think any of this would happen. Actually, having a ballpark open and ready to go probably until the year 2025 at the earliest. It takes a long time to get stuff done in the state of California, although it did not take the Warriors that long to build Chase Center. I believe they broke ground on Chase Center in the middle of 2017. I think in the middle of 2017 is when they had the dancing cranes around Chase Center. 
However, everything is privately financed, and thus the A's would have to find their own source of financing. There's no way that the city of Oakland is going to help the A's finance a new ballpark after what the Raiders did to them back in 1996 when they left a $95 million bill for the city of Oakland that has still not yet been completely paid off. The city of Oakland does not want to get burned again. However, the A's are getting impatient with the process. I brought up the hashtag rooted in Oakland, the marketing slogan, because this year the A's changed their marketing slogan to hashtag rise and grind. I'm not saying that people went too far into that, but a lot of people went too far into that thinking that the A's were abandoning Oakland. And then on Tuesday, Jeff Passan of ESPN breaks the story that the A's are potentially looking to relocate out of Oakland if they cannot get a new ballpark secured in the near future. And the reason why this story broke is that the A's have the blessing of Major League Baseball to look for options outside the city of Oakland. Here is the statement from MLB that the A's tweeted out on Tuesday. Quote, MLB is concerned with the rate of progress on the A's new ballpark effort with local officials and other stakeholders in Oakland. The A's have worked very hard to advance a new ballpark in downtown Oakland for the last four years, investing significant resources while facing multiple roadblocks. We know they remain deeply committed to succeeding in Oakland, and with two other sports franchises recently leaving the community, their commitment to Oakland is now more important than ever. The Oakland Coliseum site is not a viable option for the future vision of baseball. We have instructed the athletics to begin to explore other markets while they continue to pursue a waterfront ballpark in Oakland. The athletics need a new ballpark to remain competitive, so it is now in our best interest to also consider other markets. And now here's a statement from Dave Cavill, the A's president. He writes, A's fan. And this was on Tuesday. Today, Major League Baseball instructed the A's to begin to explore other markets while we continue to pursue the Oakland Waterfront Ballpark Project. This is not an easy directive for our fans to hear. We believe in the vision we have presented for a waterfront ballpark. It is a project that will create jobs, housing, open parks, and countless community benefits for Oakland residents, and it will set the stage for more World Series titles for our fans. After four years of work, MLB is concerned with the rate of progress with local officials and other stakeholders on our new ballpark efforts. The time is here for a decision on our future, and it is unclear to us and MLB whether there is a path to success for the A's in Oakland. A new ballpark is needed for the A's continued success. We agree with MLB's position that the Coliseum location is not a viable option for the future of the franchise. While we remain committed to succeeding in Oakland and will continue to work toward our waterfront ballpark, we will also follow MLB's direction and immediately begin the process of exploring a new home for the A's. Please know that one of our top priorities is continuing to create the best experience possible for our fans this season and beyond. We have the best fans in baseball. Your passion for this franchise is truly unmatched, and we are deeply grateful for your continued support of our organization. So basically, the A's are dropping the hammer on people that love them in Oakland that, hey, the city is not letting us have what we want, so we might leave. Oakland Mayor Libby Schaff appeared on local TV station KRON and said we need them to vote, referencing to the Oakland City Council. 
That is true, Schaff continued. We're working on bringing them a financial plan that we believe they can support. We are looking to do that before the end of July. And this is in reference to the Oakland City Council who would approve the ballpark project because there might be some public financing. The A's lease at the Coliseum runs through 2024, so they'll be there for at least three more years, and a new ballpark would not be expected to open until 2027, per the San Jose Mercury News. That's concerning for a lot of people that want this project to continue to move forward. Things don't move quickly in the state of California, and they certainly don't move quickly in the Bay Area, where there are a lot of things that city councils and city governments have to be concerned with other than professional sports stadiums. In June of 2019, there were three teams that called the Oakland Coliseum site home. The Warriors played their final game at Oracle Arena in Game 6 of the NBA Finals in June and moved across the bay to Chase Center in San Francisco. The Oakland Raiders played their final season at the Oakland Coliseum in 2019 and moved to Las Vegas for the 2020 season. And the Oakland A's? They are Oakland's last professional sports team. And if a new ballpark doesn't get done, the A's are going to be Oakland's last professional sports team. Because I don't think that the city of Oakland will ever get another professional sports team. You look at markets like Portland, Nashville, Las Vegas, Charlotte. All four of those cities have better plans in place to bring major professional sports to their cities than the city of Oakland does. Five years ago, Las Vegas had no professional sports teams. Now, they have the Las Vegas Golden Knights of the NHL, the Las Vegas Aces of the WNBA, and the Las Vegas Raiders, not to mention the AAA Las Vegas Aviators, and the Las Vegas Lights, a semi-professional soccer team. Or I should say a professional soccer team, just not an MLS-level soccer team. Nashville has the NHL's Predators, the NFL's Titans, and AAA Baseball's Nashville Sounds. Charlotte? They have the AAA Charlotte Knights, not to mention the NFL's Carolina Panthers, and the NBA's Charlotte Hornets. The Carolina Hurricanes, by the way, are in Raleigh, North Carolina. Portland? They have the Trailblazers but they also have a plan to build a new Major League Baseball stadium. They also have the Portland Timbers of the MLS. I forgot about them. Sorry, I'm not a big soccer guy. Those cities are the four most viable options for a Major League Baseball team. And we know that the city of Portland has been itching for an MLB team for quite some time. So has the city of Charlotte. This has been the hammer that the A's have been waiting to drop on their fan base for quite some time. And I actually have a much different opinion on all of this than some of you might think that I do. I don't think that the A's fan base will ever be as big in this market as the San Francisco Giants. Ballpark aside, it never has been. The Giants are the biggest game in town. Their fan base stretches to all of Northern California. There are very few pockets outside of the city of Oakland and the nearby cities of San Leandro, Hayward, Berkeley, and further East Bay cities that consider the A's to be their team. The A's reach is very small. The Giants' reach is throughout Northern California. You go up to Sacramento, most people there are Giants fans, not A's fans, even though the A's had their AAA affiliate there forever. You go down to the Central Valley, it's mainly Giants fans in places like Fresno, Modesto, Visalia. 
You can single out the city of Stockton as being an A stronghold because they've had their A-ball team there forever, or it seems like forever. The sad fact of the matter is that for baseball teams to survive, they need casual fans to come to the ballpark. The San Francisco Giants have a lot of casual fans. They have their diehards. There are plenty of diehards, but they have a ton of casual fans. The A's don't really have many casual fans. People don't go to the Oakland Coliseum for a good time. They go to watch baseball. People go to Oracle Park to have a beer, to spend time with Lucille, eat some garlic fries, and sing along to Tony Bennett's I Left My Heart in San Francisco. There are other things like that. I haven't been to a Giants game in a few years. I haven't been to a baseball game in a few years. That will change, though, at the end of May. I am going to the Twins and Royals at Target Field in Minneapolis. I am so excited to go see that ballpark. But my point remains in wrapping all of this up. The A's don't have casual fans. And it's going to be very difficult to gain the type of fan that's going to sell out their brand new ballpark. The A's don't sell out other than opening day or the playoffs, as currently stands. They don't. When the A's are a first-place team, there are weeknight games where they don't draw 10,000 fans, and that's pathetic. And why is it pathetic? Because casual fans don't care that much about baseball. They care about baseball, but they don't care that much to go to a place like the Oakland Coliseum on a Monday or a Tuesday night. I don't know if a new ballpark is going to change that. And maybe the A's recognize that as well. Maybe moving to a new city is going to spark a new faction of fans that will become the casual fans that the A's have desired for so many years. Look, I'm a diehard baseball fan, and for many years, I was a diehard A's fan. But baseball needs casual fans in order to survive. They need casual fans to contribute to the product. And currently, the A's don't play in a place that attracts casual fans. That's sad, but that's the truth. And the A's recognizing that is why they feel like if they can't get this ballpark done in Oakland, they might as well move to a city that will make it easier for them to build a ballpark that will attract the casual fan. Don't get it twisted. I don't want the A's to leave. I'm a Bay Area native. It would break my heart if all three teams that played in the city of Oakland when I was a baby ended up leaving and never coming back. That would be tragic with two of them more than likely moving out of the state altogether with the Raiders already having gone to Las Vegas. But the point remains, the A's need to do something because they can't play at the Coliseum forever. Right now, in terms of winning percentage, the best two teams in baseball are the Chicago White Sox and the San Francisco Giants. The Giants are at 23-14. and 14. They lead the Dodgers by three games in the National League West and the Padres by two and a half. Meanwhile, the White Sox, they're at 629 in terms of winning percentage, a 22 and 13 record. They lead the division by only a game over the Cleveland Indians, but they lead all of Major League Baseball with a plus 66 run differential. Meanwhile, the Giants are plus 33 in their run differential. These are two teams that are very unique in how they're doing things this season because while a lot of people expected the White Sox to be in first place, nobody expected them to be in first place in the way that they are. 
The White Sox are third in the American League as of the time of this recording in runs scored with 190, trailing only the Boston Red Sox and the Houston Astros. However, the White Sox are near the bottom. They are tied for 26th in Major League Baseball in home runs with 33. The fact that the White Sox are as good as they are without having to hit the ball out of the ballpark is remarkable. People don't talk about team batting average anymore, but the White Sox are currently tied for second in Major League Baseball with the Houston Astros with a 261 batting average. The White Sox are also second in Major League Baseball in on-base percentage. Pitching-wise, they have been stellar. The White Sox are third in baseball in Team ERA. They're tied for first with six combined shutouts and... They have allowed the fourth fewest homers in all of baseball with 31. The only teams that have allowed fewer, the Red Sox with 28, the Cardinals with 25, and the Mets with 18. The White Sox also have a Cy Young candidate currently in Carlos Rodon, who is 5-0 with a .58 ERA in 31 innings. He's allowed two earned runs in 31 innings, including a no-hitter, 44 strikeouts and 9 walks. Lance Lynn, by the way, their acquisition from Texas, 4-1 with a 130 ERA in 34 and two-thirds innings so far this season. The San Francisco Giants have also been fantastic on the mound. They have a 3-2-7 team ERA, which is sixth in Major League Baseball. As we mentioned, they have a plus 33 run differential, and they also have six combined shutouts. However, their offense is bottom third in Major League Baseball in almost every significant category. So for me, when I look at the San Francisco Giants, I look at a team that has come out of nowhere, that's getting timely hitting and great pitching. So far, they have gotten absolutely stellar performances every time out out of their ace, Kevin Gaussman. Gaussman is 3-0 with a 1.97 ERA across seven starts spanning 45 and two-thirds innings. Anthony DiSclefani is 3-1 with a 2.14 ERA across eight starts in 46 and a third innings. Gaussman has 47 strikeouts to 12 walks. DiSclefani, 41 strikeouts to 11 walks. I don't know if the Giants' pitching performances are going to be sustainable given that everybody in their rotation, with the exception of Logan Webb, is on a one-year contract. Oh, I forgot Alex Wood. He's 4-0 with a 180 array in 30 innings. So right now the Giants have three starters with ERAs under 2.2. Again, I don't know if that's sustainable from those three guys in particular, but it's a sign of great things to come if the Giants continue to get great performances from those guys and others such as Aaron Sanchez, who hasn't pitched in two years and yet has a 3-180 array in 28 and a third innings. Right now, the weak link of their rotation is Johnny Cueto, who has been hurt and has not really been that consistent. But I expect Cueto to continue to put up consistent performances once he gets back into his groove. That is going to be it for this Feel Good Fast Friday. One more thing that I wanted to say before I go. Corbin Burns officially yesterday set the record for most strikeouts to start a season without issuing a walk. He broke the record that was set by Kenley Jansen back in 2017. And by the way, it's a more impressive record for Corbin Burns because he is a starter doing it. It's a lot easier, in my opinion, to do it as a closer. This is it for this Feel Good Fast Friday here on MLB Morning Coffee. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will talk to you next time.